1: Welcome to The Help Desk for Monday the 7th of December. My name is Peter Wells and I'm joined by a very sick Tess Bennett who is struggling on to, to make it through our first morning show. How are you doing, Tess?
0: I am a little croaky, but we've got news to get to.
1: Yes, indeed. So I'll do the heavy lifting for this one. Uh, and first up... And first up, we have legislation that has been tabled to the federal government on behalf of the Australian Federal Police. So last week, uh, Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton introduced the Surveillance Legislation Amendment Brackets Identify and Disrupt bill uh, into the federal parliament. The bill gives the AFP broad new surveillance powers to take over the online accounts of Australians and devices at a network level. Currently, law enforcement can only take control of a person's account with their consent, These proposed laws would allow the AFP to take over an account without consent as long as they had a warrant. While the new laws are designed to target child abuse and terrorism as they always are, These warrants will apply to any Commonwealth crime that has a three-year sentence, and that includes theft, fraud, tax evasion, illegal gambling, forgery, and piracy, which is the scary one for a lot of our listeners, I would say. With just four sitting days left, the Law Council of Australia has urged the government not to repeat what it did with the country's encryption-busting laws by similarly trying to rush through these new online account takeover powers before Christmas. But you can't help but notice the timing on this one. But as we've reported before, both the government encryption laws and the mandatory data retention laws have been criticised since their introduction as being too broad and accessible by far too many agencies. Do you remember, tests that the RSPCA had requested the data retention laws for a little while there. So, yeah, a little bit scary to see such a broad-ranging change to our online laws being rushed through, it seems, uh, before Parliament adjourns for the year.
0: Yeah, definitely a story to watch this week as we do head into that final sitting week of Parliament for 2020. And moving on to gig workers, and the SMH has a fantastic long piece on New South Wales' safe work investigation into food delivery services like Uber Eats Deliveroo and Menulog.
1: Yeah, according to the article, Labor, the Greens and peak union bodies in New South Wales have urged the state government, which is a Liberal government, to expand the coverage of the workers' compensation scheme to cover food delivery riders and boost the enforcement of occupational health and safety rules. Union New South Wales General Secretary Mark Morey, who has worked with Airtasker to introduce minimum pay rates for workers there, said all work, regardless of the employment definition, should attract a minimum wage, leave loadings, superannuation, and injury insurance.
0: Yeah, so no one from the food delivery companies actually agreed to answer any questions in this article, uh, but it does sound like they are working with the government on this one.
1: Yeah, and it's unlikely gig workers will ever be considered employees under this, uh, but the safety standards for the gig economy is clearly needed and hopefully uh, we will see some action come from this.
0: Moving on, and Bloomberg has a great story on the rise of OnlyFans, a site that allows users to follow and tip their favourite online personalities for access to content. OnlyFans is adding as many as 500,000 users a day and paying out more than 200 million a month uh, to its creators. Yeah,
1: and like so many services before on the internet, OnlyFans grew. It started with adult film stars and offering private shows, So, but so much technological breakthroughs definitely come through uh, porn in, in the past, so it's not surprising.
0: Yeah, so more recently, celebrities like Cardi B have released content on the platform, and it makes a ton of sense for someone like Cardi B to be on OnlyFans. The CEO here makes a comparison with Instagram and sort of says, well... OnlyFans is much more authentic and and intimate than Instagram and the, the numbers are pretty impressive. The company has 85 million users, upward of 1 million creators, and will generate more than $2 billion in sales this year, and it keeps 20% of that, which puts the site on track for $400 million in annual net sales, dwarfing Patreon, which is another platform devoted to helping creative types uh, get paid for their work.
1: Yeah, they're really uh, leaving Patreon in the dust there. Uh, I guess the, the question is there, Tess, do you think that they'll ever be able to step out of that only porn Kind of idea.
0: I don't know. I mean, remember when um, Tumblr banned porn? And mm-hmm. you know, to be fair, Tumblr might have been past its heyday once it introduced that that porn ban. But it certainly didn't help the company's user numbers or engagement when when it did that a few years ago.
1: And even if you take away the porn idea, like I know that, for instance, Twitch has has for years now been trying to broaden itself from not just video streaming for gamers, but video streaming for any kind of creative person but then you look at you know the the cooking shows and then they're generally like cooking shows by gamers or knitting with gamers so it's it's like they've still never been able to break out of what it's known for and yeah once once you're Once you fall into a niche on the internet, it's quite hard to kind of broaden yourself outside of that. Our final story for the day is the story that 1,200 Google workers condemning the firing of an AI scientist called Timnit Gebru. Joining in with the Google employees is 1,500 academic researchers who are also protesting the firing. She was allegedly fired by Google after the company attempted to suppress her research into ethics of AI.
0: Yeah, and according to a report from Protocol, industry leaders that they interviewed fear that her firing will have a chilling effect on other ethical researchers in the industry and especially at Google. Academics and activists uh, have long expressed scepticism about the integrity of ethical AI research at places like Google, but uh, Gebru's reputation and leadership role sort of lent some credibility to Google's research effort, and, and that seems to have been all that goodwill seems to have been lost extremely quickly over the weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, ethics in tech is one of those, probably one of the most important ideas around technology that seems to be ignored or it's the, you know, the first one out the door when when things get tough, and and that's a really scary thing, especially when it comes to AI because study after study shows that, you know, the, the people programming AI are programming our our new computers and, and robots with the biases that they bring to the table themselves. So if you've got an entire workforce of, say, you know, young white men <laughs> uh, programming the AI of the future, then you're going to miss a, you're going to have a lot of blind spots in that AI.
0: And there's a, a another interesting line to that point in the protocol article, nudging towards needing a whistleblower protection for tech workers. And it, it's quite interesting to think of how little insight or transparency we have into those giant workforces building giant systems that are going to control a lot of our life already and in the future
1: well that's all we have time for today on monday our brand new morning edition of the help desk thank you tess for uh struggling through with your sore throat (laughs) thanks peter and we will speak to you tomorrow rest well tess and we'll speak to you then bye
0: bye We did it